Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sobriety Core Podcast, a collection of stories from people who happen to be sober. I'm your host, Kim Palumbo. Hi, everyone. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend, Sally. Welcome, Sally. Kim, happy to be here. So glad that you're joining me on this Monday evening. Sally, who are you? So I think uh, first and foremost, I'm just a human being trying to survive in pretty uncertain and chaotic times, um, like everybody else. Um, I'm also a single mom. Um, I am a Jewish atheist. I am also um, somebody who has worked in reproductive health care for 10 years, um, mostly taking care of the people who are providing services to patients. And I feel really passionately about that work. It's really important to me. Um, And I am also a sober baby. I've got about five and a half months under my belt. That is so exciting. It is exciting. I feel good about it. Good. And uh, what brought you to sobriety? So what brought me to sobriety was, um, to give a little bit of the backstory, um, I feel like my drinking had two pretty distinct phases. There was my late teens and 20s, um, where I was having a pretty good good time, we can call it that. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't really blacking out a whole lot, not drinking um, to that degree a lot of the time, but definitely um, making questionable decisions, um, uh, doing things that I'm not always particularly happy to recount, um, but also just kind of like goofing off. Um, And I lived um, for a good chunk of that time. I lived in uh, Buffalo, which is, I don't know if anyone's ever heard it described as a drinking town with a sports problem. And I found that really accurate. Um, Drinking was such a big part of the culture in Buffalo that Mm. it just felt so normalized. Mm. Um, And then I turned 30 and I got pregnant um, and I had my daughter And um, I think things really shifted for me at that point. Um, I started drinking um, every day, but not to excess. Um, I'm I'm a single mom, like I said, and parenting with a hangover on my own was just um, unbearable and a line that I couldn't cross a lot of the time Mm. or chose not to cross um, for myself. Um, And so it just kind of became like my what I would kind of consider at the time to be like drinking was just my daily escape, um, from the, um, kind of relentlessness of people needing me Mm. (laughs) all day long. Mm -hmm. And, um, and last summer I went on a vacation with my family and ended up relaxing for the first time in many years. And when I kind of came back to real life, I just felt like, I couldn't face it anymore. Um, it just felt so 
like I was just entirely on output and I had nothing that um, was giving me any energy or life back and um, kind of quickly came to figure out that that had a lot to do with drinking every day. Um, I know, I know that you've also kind of gathered a lot of inspiration from the sober web um, and I kind of stumbled right? (laughs) So much good stuff. Um, I stumbled upon it. And then I realized that there's this like possibility to live a life that you don't want to escape from, um, which was completely mind blowing to me. (laughs) And um, really just jumped right in. And I um, did uh, the Tempest sobriety school, which is where I got to meet you um, and some other really wonderful um, sober folks. and, and it's, you know, within this choice to be sober, I've really been able to connect with people who have kind of, some of them have been there all along, um, but it's given me an opportunity to build better connections um, with them too. So that was my long answer, but um, yeah, the, the answer is, is choosing a life that I don't want to escape from brought me to sobriety. That's such a beautiful thing to bring you to sobriety, even if it's also full of pain and the journey is hard. This is a hard thing to do. Um, I love what you said about the relentlessness of people needing you, uh, you know, drove the daily escape. Um, I know we've talked about kind of getting like counting down the minutes and hours to that moment where you can tap into your daily escape. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's real. It's such a reality. I think, especially for parents, um, there's a line in a, um, Brandy Carlisle song that I love so much where she she's singing about being a new mother and the first line is welcome to the end of being alone inside your mind. <laughs> I think oh about God. that all the time because like I'll you know like yesterday I was just trying to make my shopping list and I couldn't even have enough space in my own brain to like think about a thing without <laughs> without my daughter like I don't know what she was doing. Right. climbing up my leg like I, I don't even know what she was doing but but I wasn't alone inside my mind right and even if she wasn't doing I think that's the other thing that's so hard is like even if she was doing nothing you are still not alone in your mind even when she might not be actively doing something to penetrate your thought <laughs> process, you know, which is like, ah, that's like the scariest <laughs> thing. When I think of my own son, um, being a mother is like a parent is like, it's just like having my heart outside my body walking around. And it's just, it's like this visceral, whoa, <laughs> you know, all the time. I mean, it's beautiful and wonderful and all those good things too. And also, whoa completely completely yes and you know I think that's something that I had heard about being a parent and it of course it doesn't make a whole lot of sense (laughs) you don't experience it but um um you know that my daughter was born um 11 11 almost 12 weeks early um and so our start really was um was a lot of separation and I think it's taken 
time, and this is also a part of like healing from all the drinking and all the separation. Um, it's, it's taken time for us to find, I think that, that connection, um, we're, we're very connected, but I think that there's still a bonding piece that has been, of course, it's been impacted by that experience. And um, it, it's one of the main things that is really motivating to me um, to just like really learn how to be present with her and really work on um, building that connection. Mm. So how do you stay sober? How do I stay sober? I'm still figuring that out for sure. Um, That's fair. I, I, I'm sure a lot, most people are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that, you know, finding sober community, which is, you know, totally, I'm still in the early stages of that, but that so far has been incredibly important. Um, just having people to be able to connect with and, um, and get support from, um, asking for help has been something that's really important. It was the first thing I did when I told my, um, my mom and stepmom that I wanted to stop drinking. The first thing I did was say, I'm going to need help, you know, just help making the time support, you know, encouragement, whatever it is. And, that is the hardest thing. <laughs> like asking for help is so impossible. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to push myself to kind of keep doing that. Um, uh, I know that this came up. Um, I was listening to the last episode of your podcast this morning and, you know, thinking about what my answers were going to be. And I was so happy when, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on what her name was, but she said, um, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, um, seltzer. Oh my gosh, right? Is he drinks? I love when she added that. I was like, um, yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's honestly like helped me a lot more than I would think um, is necessary. Um, I feel like in sobriety, I have more glasses on the table than I ever did. Like, I'm currently sitting in front of two separate things that were definitely not part drinks that were not part of my life when I was drinking, but like there would be no need for anything besides alcohol. So it's just so funny to me how I I now have like more accoutrement involved in drinking than I did when I was drinking. (laughs) No, it's true. And I feel like when I talk about like my attachment to non-alcoholic beverages now, like I still sound like an alcoholic talking about it. I'm like, okay, listen, my two favorite things right now Oh, I'm drinking right now. Not right. both of them at the same time, but um, uh, pomegranate pomegranate juice spritzers. Oh, and and what are, who makes I think, those? <laughs> I like this. Oh, I just pomegranate juice and then and then pour in some seltzer. Oh, awesome! Oh, so you're even you're DIYing this? Yeah, I'm loving definitely. It. I'm loving. Um, it. and then also this is when I like really want to get there in oat milk Olay. With rooibos tea. Oh my goodness. This is fancy. I love this. I don't even know what half of those things are. I think I might've brought you some rooibos tea. So I'm going to send you some instructions. Yes. I need instructions. I love that tea. That's really good. 
yeah so just um I know that I definitely sound like somebody who has spent a good amount of time obsessing over beverages which is definitely part of my my personality so yeah well (laughs) you might as well find something you can enjoy Mm-hmm. for a bunch of things um okay so community beverages <laughs> <laughs> and um, what else do you do how else do you stay sober that's right um i have also been doing meditation um and I did a 40-day yoga practice that was really wonderful. Oh, that's cool. Um, I think one of the things that's been incredibly helpful was I, um, in one of the lessons from Tempest Sobriety School, Holly talks about uh, kind of how to manage your energy throughout the day. So instead of like waking up, looking at your phone, chugging coffee and running out the door and then like existing in your your adrenaline zone until Mm -hmm. you come home and like have to drink to kind of crash your system back down. Um, like starting your day with things that ground you and um, are healthy um, and then kind of having check-ins throughout the day to make sure that your nervous response is in like a more aligned state. Um, mm-hmm. So I have like breaks set up throughout my day to help me you know, just remember to breathe, feel my feet on the floor, relax. Um, and it's made a really big difference because I come home and I still have energy left in the tank. Um, and you, and, and control of the energy. So like getting better at kind of coming down at the end of the day without needing to like another shock to the system to force the issue. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you could sit down with Sally, your drinking self, at any point in your drinking, you know, however however you envision this, what would you say to her? I think especially, um, especially in those last few years, um, I was really functioning just in survival mode. And I think that I just would want to tell myself that I'm like honestly doing a really good job, Um, especially given like how I didn't have the tools to create a healthier life at that point. Um, And I think that she just like needed to hear that she was doing okay. Um, and doing the best with what she had at the time. Um, but I would also just, I don't have a whole lot of faith that I would have been receptive to hearing it, but I would definitely want myself to know that I think a lot of answers that I was looking for in sobriety, that it's possible to build a life that you don't want to escape from, that I have it in me to make these choices in my life. Right. I think I felt really doubtful that that was even a possibility, right? Sure. But I think that both of those things kind of needed to be 
needed to be said. Oh, and maybe also, I mean, I know this is like a thing that people say, but like um, people who don't have drinking problems don't Google, (laughs) am I an alcoholic? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but that, I mean, I think that, that really, even though it seems obvious, maybe once you've come to understand that as a person, it's still really kind of revelatory when you think about it. Like other people are not doing, to me, it was like the mental gymnastics. It never dawned on me to tell anyone at any point what I was thinking in my mind all the time about drinking because it didn't seem abnormal. And then finally, I learned that other people aren't doing that. That, that, that blew my mind. Oh, totally. And my therapist said recently, like, it's hard to see. It's hard to see it when you're in it. And mm. it's also hard to see it when you're not in it. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, so that makes it really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And it's really hard to, like look back and I think have a really like kind of complete picture of like what was I facing how was I handling it and like how maybe it's not even important but like how bad was it you know Mm -hmm. how how much was it really like taking from me yeah and 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 it takes real time I think to truly understand that. I mean, and I think it will continue to re- reveal itself also even at the beginning of sobriety. I didn't truly think that maybe everything was affected even though I was really struggling with a pretty acute issue. Um it's only kind of as the months have continued to collect, thankfully, that I am seeing kind of the full spectrum of its impact. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was speaking earlier today with a friend who has um, a lot of years of sobriety mm-hmm. and um it was really helpful to hear more of her perspective on like how to, what, what pieces do you like hang on to that stay motivating? Mm, um, of your story? Well, yeah. What pieces of your, of your story do you hang on to, to like remind yourself that sobriety is important um, and that you're on a good path for yourself? Um, because you know, I mean, like I said, I'm just a, you know, I'm a baby sober and it's from what my experience is and from what I have gathered listening to other people, like it can be just so easy to let in the voices that say like, you don't really need this. Right. Um, Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I'm definitely still looking for those, um, looking for the pieces of my story that, um, are affirming, um, that this is the right choice and working towards building like stronger community 
um, to keep me connected to this. And um, yeah, and just like learning from, from people and other experiences, which is why I love this podcast so much because you just resonate with different pieces of other people's stories. And um, I don't know, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, and, and as a fellow baby sober, you and I have, we're kind of close in our time. I That's totally kind of where, where I stand in terms of just, just really wanting to understand, just wanting to hear and understand how do people find themselves in this place? Because so many people do. And there's just something I can learn from every single person. Um, and I think I love, I love the search for the pieces of your story to hold on to. And, and I think in so doing, it's also what pieces do you let go of? Right. Right. I mean, yeah, that's definitely the other, the other piece of it. Like, giving yourself compassion and and not holding on to the shameful pieces and and it's it can be a bit of a balance i mean it's definitely a balance like how do i how do i hold on to what i need to hold on to from my decisions in my life when i was drinking and how do i not continue to beat myself up over them yeah that makes me think that the ne- that you're getting to the next question, and that is what what is the relationship between pride and shame, and how has that changed if it has? Right. So I've been thinking about this. I've been trying to think about like some of the things that I've been like that I was proud of <laughs> from my time before, and so I think sort of like that picture of like how like warped some of my some of my decisions were mm-hmm. um but i i think um especially like in living in buffalo like i would be really proud of showing up at the pub at five and drinking with like the very old men <laughs> that mm-hmm. were there like you yeah. know <laughs> holding your own yeah 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 um i don't know just bizarre things um but of course, um, of course, there was a lot that, um, you know, either directly because of drinking or more indirectly. But um, I think there's such a huge shame in drinking. And I know that that, that my internal voice was having to shout things, I think, especially as a drinking parent. Um Mm. I've had to shout things. And now that I am, you know, much more clear-headed, I still hear that shame voice shouting um, because that's just like the volume that it's used to. And I've been um, trying to just like hear what it, what it's really trying to say what are the pieces that it's trying to communicate something that I might need to hear and how do I kind of like let it know, you know, we're okay now, like things are okay and I've got 
this and like you can you can kind of sit down and you don't have to shout um and I think also I was so disconnected from that inner voice and I still feel really disconnected from it in a lot of ways that when I think about um pride now when I think about this decision to be sober and the work that I've done um I know in my head that I'm like I I can say like oh I'm I think I'm proud I'm like supposed to feel out of this work and I still don't I don't feel it like emotionally yet I haven't like connected with it um so I I think that I still have just so much um time you know, time to reconnect and like figure out what what I need to hear and in what voices and what I need to feel and in what places. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, it's still, it's just, it's still a lot of like coming to and becoming clear. Mm. It makes so much sense. And, and, you know, Leah, in, in, you referenced the last episode, you know, I think she talked a lot about um, that she had said that there's always another layer of self to shed, which I just, I've been like chewing on that line since I talked to her. Um, but I think you're getting at that in terms of there's just also so much to discover, which I think is also, I love the word recovery, you know, um, and thinking about recovering who you actually are in there. Right. And, and discovering that, and uncovering. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and I forgot to add that one of my, um, one of my staying sober supports is, is therapy. Um, and thank God for that. I have, <laughs> I finally have a really great therapist and. Oh, that's so good. Uh, yeah. It's so, it's so important and it's so hard to find somebody who is just really like competent. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. Yeah. 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 If I could ask you one question about yourself or your sobriety, what would it be? Um, I don't have any specific things for you to ask. You can always ask me anything. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like for questions in general, I just, I really had no idea what people's, like, especially like drinking people's reactions were like. Okay. That's a total lie. I knew because I was one of those people who had really like horrid reactions to sober people. <laughs> what I meant to say was I didn't know what it was like to be on the other end of that. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Um, yeah. And it's so like, I mean, if you want to talk about like shame and stigma, like mm. it's just really mind boggling. Um, the like responses that people have um, to, to sober people. And so I think when I think about what, what questions I would want somebody to ask me is honestly like anything that they want to ask, um, mm. like any genuine question would be so open. I feel like 
uh, right when I stopped drinking, I had a couple coworkers and friends who quit smoking and the reactions are just so completely different. And I feel like if I mention anything about not drinking, like the conversation gets completely shut down. Like people just stop talking and get really uncomfortable. And so I would just love people to feel like it's okay to talk about whatever they want to know. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to go there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that the other thing, um, just something that I've been really like, thinking quite a bit on is like that making space for folks who don't who drink and drink problematically and want to stop but don't have like a traditional um story um you know maybe we're like identify as like gray area drinkers or um or i don't know um like don't have, you know, like don't have a rock bottom. They maybe have like, you know, we have like tipping points. Um, And (laughs) so I would just love like, this isn't an answer to the question you just asked, but. um, It's okay. I I think, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Just like, just more space in the community um, and in other people's like drinking lives to talk about like, talk about other narratives of drinking. Um, and why it's like okay to stop and like what you can get from that and making space in different recovery spaces for more of a variety of stories and um, I just think that like particular um, narrative limit is so limiting and it really keeps people drinking Um, totally kept me drinking right absolutely yeah, it's like, well, you know, I don't think that this is healthy. And I'm like, you know, I like lie to the doctor when they ask me what I drink. But, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to stop because I don't qualify in this way. And Right. You yeah. know, and I just, that, that what, what you're suggesting is, um, or saying, is can the world open up? some room for my humanity and there's so many ways in which the world I think is making space for different facets of humanity now and it's 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 different in five years 10 years 15 years let alone you know 50 right that's right and still there is this area that remain it's just it, it it really truly still is the the one thing you need to explain why you've quit which is just it's just so mind it's just mind-boggling um it that is. you can quit you know drugs or cigarettes or whatever and people just or gluten or (laughs) sugar and people are just like wow that's awesome good for you um and alcohol is just a different thing and it requires a level of explanation um or what you're saying i think what happens sometimes is just just over conversation over you know um and you know and i think 
holding space and making room for each other is really just that's what community is. That's right. That is exactly right. Yeah. So we have some work to do. I know. What are we going to do? I think we're going to do this. I'm going to do this for now. (laughs) And hopefully people hear it and just hear normal people just making choices, just doing the best they can. That's right. I think I'm going to just keep talking yes about it and you know in whatever way it comes up and um do my best to like I don't know like feel good about that you know and not let that kind of creepy stigma impact that it this feels good um and this is like I don't know like it's this whole other world over here in sorority land and i'm super grateful that i get to walk in it yeah i want to share that yeah me too well sally i am so glad that i know you and that you are my friend and that you joined us for episode 19 yeah, 19. My lucky my lucky sober number cuz my sobriety date is 91919. And so oh you were kind God. enough to give me episode yeah. 19. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I know. Thank and you. So glad that you shared your story with us. Um and I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks so much Kim. It's such a gift to to have this and I appreciate you letting me ramble on my thoughts. (laughs) Okay. Talk soon. Thanks, Kim. Take care. You too. Bye. As always, I want to interview you. Drop a line at SobrietyCore on Instagram or visit www.sobrietycore.com to tell your story. That's www.sobrietycore.com. PS.com. Look for our next episode in about a week where we get to hear from a human behind an Instagram handle. Until then, be well.